welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. All right, I'm Harvey. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic in Toronto, a good person worthy of recovery. Um, I would like to uh, start this uh, program, this part of the workshop, with a uh, prayer. Uh, it's the prayer that I always say uh, before I do any work on this program with others and even with myself sometimes, and it's called the Set Aside Prayer, and it's available. If you Google, you'll find many different versions of it. This is the one I use, and I'll just if anybody just wants to listen for a second. Dear God, please set aside anything I think I know about myself, about my disease, about the big book, the 12 steps, the program, the fellowship, the people in the fellowship, and all spiritual terms, especially you, God, so that I may have an open mind and a new experience with all of these things. Please help me to see the truth. Amen. The reason I think this is so appropriate today uh, given that we're talking about the second step is the, is, is the fact that it actually refers to God as one of those things that I need to have uh, an open mind about, uh, to set aside what I previously thought about God when I sit down to work my steps and to find the recovery that's available and openly here for us. So I need to set aside all of my ideas, my spiritual terms, all the different thoughts of what I thought God was before I came into this program. Um, I think I printed, I asked, I sent along a, uh, an article, which I think is probably one of the most important articles I've ever read on the second step. Uh, and that's uh, one that's titled, If Your God is Not God, Fire Him. So if anybody wants to have a look at that article, um, I, I'd like to quickly read it, actually, because I think it's, it's really... Uh, Really, are we getting some background noise here? Yeah, good. Thank you. Uh, I think it really speaks to uh, some of those previous um, dysfunctional ideas that I had about God, um, and I think that many of us can relate to this. So, without further ado, I'm just going to quickly read this. It's a couple of pages. It's not long. Uh, if your God is not God, you should fire him. There is a difference sometimes an enormous difference between the God of our doctrinal statements and the God we live with every day. Our theological convictions may be thoroughly orthodox, but we may actually serve a God who is quick to anger and slow to forgive, or a God who shames his followers, or a God who is punitive and rejecting. That was my experience. I was close to graduation from seminary when I first really faced the fact that getting it right in my head or on a theology exam, or in a doctrinal statement, didn't matter very much if the God I lived with every day was not really God. The God I served was the God who is impossible to please. I had served this God for most of my life. It is not a God that I would recommend to anyone. My theology was orthodox. My statement of faith would not have said that God was impossible to please. But the God I woke up to every day 
the God whose character and demands shaped my life, that God could not be pleased. He was a God who was not God, not even close. Let me be clear about this. The God who is quick to anger and slow to forgive is not a distorted image of God. It is the opposite of God. It's the wrong God. It's not God at all. It's not that I was looking in the right direction but just couldn't see clearly. I was looking in the wrong direction entirely. It was the wrong God. There is, of course, a whole pantheon of not gods. Take your pick. The angry abusive God. The abandoning God. The inattentive God. The impotent God. The shaming God. There are many others. I no longer believe that such gods are merely distorted images of the living and true God. They may be distorted images of abusive parents or distorted images of people who have hurt us, but they are not distorted images of God at all. This conclusion makes a huge difference. If these gods are merely distortions of the true God, then what we should do is try to undistort them. Maybe we can rework them somehow, negotiate with them, restructure them, reframe them. This is not, however, the approach suggested in Scripture. What ought, we, what ought we to do when we find that we serve a God who is not God? There is only one answer in the Bible. Throw the bum out. Get rid of him. It is an idolatrous attachment, and it can't be reformed, restructured, rehabilitated, or restored. This is not a point where it is appropriate to be moderate. We need to clean house. The God who gives us nothing but fear or shame is not God. Fire him or her. But what about the baby in the bathwater? There is no baby. If we live in relationship with a God who gives us nothing but fear and shame, there is no baby in that bathwater. We need to throw the bum out. But what about all my good theology? Do I have to throw that out? Well, not necessarily. But we may need to give it a rest. We need to take time to clean house. We need to find out why we have tolerated an abuse of God for so long. We probably need to get back to spiritual kindergarten. We have, may have missed or have forgotten the basics. I needed to go back to the most basic of spiritual truths. There is a God, and it is not me. All of my abusive gods were internalizations of my experiences with mortals. If as children we experience abuse, we may learn that all powerful people are abusive, even God. So what is most familiar to us is a God who abuses. We may find ourselves attracted to what we are most familiar with, but like all non-gods, these abusive gods are a part of me. They are my internalization of my abusive experiences. They are gods of my own creation, crafted out of my experiences with other people. Recovery can begin only when I fire these non-gods and find a god who is not my own workmanship. That's as far as I wanted to read. Um, so I, I think that's a, uh, for me that was a, a, a probably the most important lesson that I needed to learn when I... Uh, when I did my own step two, uh, I come from a faith tradition and I believed in it and I believed that I had a relationship with a God. Uh, it was mostly a rote uh, relationship that I had in a different language than I speak generally. There was nothing intentional. Uh, I never really spoke to God uh, on a personal level. Uh, I just went through the motions and uh, it didn't uh, it didn't end up serving me very well. Um, and I, uh, I I suffered for that. Uh, because I, I believed I was a failure. Um, I had that God who uh, who can never be pleased. I think I got that, from, in my case, from my mother. Uh, I had an abandoning God. I got that from my father. Uh, I had all kinds of dysfunctional relationships with, uh, with a higher power uh, that wasn't really a higher power to me at all. Uh, and I had a lot of resentments to 
a God who I believed I had prayed to, to take away my lust, to take, in my case, same-sex lust, uh, who hadn't ever answered my prayers, who had left me uh, with this mess uh, that I called my life. Uh, it had uh, basically destroyed, I had destroyed all my relationships that I ever thought I had, and uh, I lived uh, basically sinking in the, in the quicksand of my, of my existence uh, as, uh, as Bill W. speaks about it on, in the big book. Uh, and that was my experience. And once I had done a, uh, which wasn't really hard for me, a really serious first step and saw how uh, absolutely unmanageable and powerless my life was, uh, coming to step two and looking for a higher power that could restore me to sanity was really, really difficult because uh, as soon as they said the word God or anything like a higher power, which I knew was God, it's just a sneaky way of putting it, um, I immediately, my resentments immediately flared uh, I could not imagine that he was suddenly going to be there for me when he hadn't been there for me for the last 50-odd years. Um, so I just was not really uh, really ready. And my, uh, my sponsor had me do something which uh, I would uh, invite everybody to do. Um, and it's something that I, I do with, uh, with the people I work with. And I, I, I asked them to put a piece of paper, take a piece of paper, and at the top of the page... Um, prepare an advert, you know, like you're going to do an ad for, you need a staff person. And I write, looking to hire God. And um, that's what I did, looking to hire God. Um, and then I left page lines and, and, and I started thinking about if I could create my own God, if I could be the one who creates a God as, as I see God should be or would want him to be for me, what would that God be? How would he look? How would he operate? Uh, where, where and when would he appear? How would he interact with me? Would he interact with me? Uh, you know, and, and uh, it became clear to me that uh, I was talking about something that really wasn't, wasn't uh, the God that I had uh, heretofore had ever thought that I had. Um, and I needed to, uh, to really take this into heart. And, and, and as that article clearly said, I needed to fire the resent the one that I resented, the God that I resented in my life, and uh, and and start to think about what kind of a God I really wanted, and uh, you know, and I and I started with the the usual uh, classic, uh, you know, omniscient, omnipotent, all the stuff that I had learned in my faith tradition, which still applies, by the way. I haven't destroyed that relationship. In fact, if anything, I think that over time in my recovery. I believe my faith tradition God has actually fused together with the God of my of my present understanding uh, in this program and the, the God that does work for me and the God that I can relate to and connect with on a regular basis and I do and and my hope is to always live in the in that fourth dimension as Bill W also speaks about it several times in the big book I need and want to have a ongoing God consciousness to keep me from uh, losing my uh, emotional sobriety, which we spoke about earlier today with uh, the wonderful work that Andy did. Um, it's so important to me that I keep that God consciousness so that when I get restless, when I get irritable, when I get discontented, when I my emotional sobriety is at risk, uh, my emotional security is at risk, I know that I have a God who I can go to. So getting back to my advert, uh, I, of course, I put down the usual, uh, you know, omniscient, omnipotent, and then, but when I really got down to it, 
uh, I was really looking for a God in my case, and everybody's different. Uh, I was looking for a God who, uh, who really did love me, um, because I felt unloved. I, I felt, uh, very disconnected to everybody in my world. Um, the core beliefs of a sex addict, I think, uh, were very much present in my world. Uh, the core beliefs that I understand are, are very much resident in me are uh, basically I feel, I, I always felt I was a bad and unworthy person, that I was evil, that I was bad. Uh, not that I did bad things, but I was bad, and that's a lot of shame, a lot of uh, related to that, and that's certainly a counter uh, emotion that I lived with uh, pretty much my whole life. Um, because I was a bad and unworthy person, the second core belief that I believe was that no one would ever love me, uh, as I was, because I was unlovable and I was a piece of whatever, detritus. Um, and, and the set, the next, uh, core belief was that my needs were never going to be met if I depended on anyone or trusted others. Uh, and, and then the rest of it was all about how I believed that sex was the most important way, the need that I ever had. Uh, and it was the most important sign of, of a relationship, which of course was completely skewed, skewed and incorrect. And it was the only thing that made sex was the only thing that made my isolation possible and bearable. And I lived in that isolation. And of course, the 12 step program that I've worked on and, and worked in for the last almost four years, uh, have, has reversed all of those feelings today. Uh, because I have a higher power who I now know loves me unconditionally, uh, I have, uh, pushed away some of those negative, um, those negative, uh, affirmations that I live with uh, and I now know and I can remind myself every day that I am a worthwhile person deserving of pride of myself. Uh, when I check in at meetings, I say I'm Harvey, I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic and a good person worthy of recovery. And that's part of my affirmations that I use to remind myself that I am, that God and my relationship to God is, 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 is a good one, that he is my father, I am his child. And as such, I, I can't be a piece of garbage. Uh, and the, the proof of that is in all the gratitude that I have. Um, because uh, as my sponsor taught me, uh, gratitude lists are the antidote to feeling garbage, feeling like you're garbage, because uh, it's impossible for you to believe that you're a piece of garbage when you see how many wonderful things are happening for you in this world and how many, how many things you have to be grateful for. Um, so knowing that I'm not living in shame and I'm not a bad person, I now uh, can believe that I am loved and I can be accepted by people uh, and many of them in this room. Uh, and I feel that. Um, I, I now know that I my needs can be met by others uh, and I can trust them. And, and I think that really comes back again to the, the second step. One of those things that I wrote down on my on my advert is I need a God that I can trust. I need a God that's always going to be there for me, that works 24-7, that never cuts out, that never drops me, that never says, uh, oh, well, you've got enough, uh, you've had enough, so you don't deserve anymore. Um, God, the God that I found in this program is a God who, who's always going to be there for me, somebody I could actually trust. I don't know if everybody has played the game that when they were growing up where you uh, fall back and your friends catch you. That was a game I never played. Uh, I never believed that anybody was going to be there to catch me. Um, so I, uh, I just never played it. <laughs> I just wouldn't play that game and everybody thought I was crazy. You know, I was the guy who, uh, you know, when we played hide and seek, nobody came to found, find me and I lived like that. So, uh, you know, and, and God, 
I was hiding from God and he never came to find me. Uh, so I needed a God who, who was there uh, 24-7, uh, who was always going to be there for me, uh, who really I could trust and learn to trust myself and others because uh, there is trust in this world and I never saw it. Uh, and the same way that since he loves me that I'm not, that I am worthy of love and I could start to learn to love others because I think that intimacy is contingent on feeling that you are worthy of, of love being loved before you can love anyone. Um, so that was very much part of my step two. Um, you know, somebody who act, a God, I needed a God who not only cared about my nurturing and make sure that there was food on the table and, and clothes on my back and a roof over my head, but also actually, as I like to put it, that actually cared about how Harvey was playing in the sandbox of life. Um, you know, I needed a God who really was there and watching and interested and, in, and, and exquisitely so about how Harvey's managing in the world and only wants my best. And um, the reason I, I, I believe this is so important to my recovery is uh, I believe that um, I could never have done a third step. And I think this is my experience responses that I've worked with. Uh, I, I cannot ask somebody to do a third step and to surrender their life to the care of the higher power, whichever, whatever higher power they found, if they don't have a trusting, loving God to do that with. I, I can't give over, I can't surrender to a God that I, that I don't believe in really cares about me. I, I just never going to do that. I, I, I couldn't do that. So I, I think that the, uh, the, the importance, the paramount, the, 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 the prominence of the second step and it's really about um, appreciating that with that second step and a good, strong understanding of a higher power who could and would and wants to restore me to sanity, um, that is the beginning of the answer. And one of the articles I sent, I think I sent this, uh, is this little uh, blurb that I actually got from Matt uh, once upon a time. Um, and I think I'll read this just as the finish. Uh, the answer to addiction has shown itself in our times, but is a, it is, of course, not a product of our times or of our culture. Indeed, the answer has had to do its life-saving work in the teeth of a culture which despises and rejects, rejects its very essentials. The current culture is atheistic, materialistic, cynical, sophisticated, sensate, and self-centered. The answer to addiction is God-centered, truth-centered, spiritual, simple, altruistic, and self-sacrificing. Let there be no ambiguity as to what is being spoken about here. The answer to addiction, that which cures the disease and releases the prisoner, boy, was I a prisoner, where nothing else can, is the grace of God. It is the truth of God, the power of God, the spirit of God. If you want the one word equivalent, the answer is God. And I'll finish there. Uh, thank you for uh, letting me uh, be part of today's uh, program. Um, some of the stuff that uh, I sent out uh, is for uh, you to read and to look at uh, off this program and at other times. Uh, I'm going to uh, open it up to uh, questions, answers, comments. Thank you again. This is thank you, Harvey. Just before um, we go forward, I just want to remind everybody that the call is being recorded. Go ahead, Vaughn. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, um, um, I'll, Dennis or Harvey, should I send you my email to get those references? 
Yes, Vaughn, you will need to do that. Send it to our noon SA phone. MTG. Oh, oh, okay, okay, that's right. Oh, I'm sorry, yes, okay. My next thing is I remember a workshop I went to several years ago, and thank you, thank you for that big part of your, your talk, Harvey, about um, all the different attributes of God um, and this person, um, which I written down all the negative attributes. I know he came up with a long, long list, you know, anger, hateful, wrathful. Um, and then he wrote just the opposite, you know. Um, anger would be um, understanding. Um, anyway, it was a big, long list, and I highly recommend that to people if they have these struggles as well. Um, so that's all I, I have. Would pally on then a thankful list too, which is kind of goes along with the good attributes of God as well. A list of thankful things you're thankful for. So, what's thankful for? And so, with that, I pass. Thank you. This is Jay. Can I share? Go ahead, Jay. Hello, my name is Jay. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Um, so, I'm actually in doing my step two right now. And uh, truthfully, at first, I thought it was extremely silly uh, when I first started it. I know who my God is or who my higher power is, and, you know, and I have that relationship with him. And uh, by the time I reached where I was to make my table and go through my higher powers and, and what I believed versus the truth, and just something clicked, and it was just so interesting to me. Uh what I have seen compared to what he really is. And so I've actually been going the last number of days trying to figure out what am I believing that isn't true. And while you were speaking, Harvey, you said uh, to make an ad um, for want to hire uh, God. And it helped me because I even, I even started it while you were still talking just because I've been trying to figure out what are the lies and focusing on that part where here I can focus on, what is the truth and not what the lie is. So I wanted to thank you for that. So it was a super awesome talk, uh, and I look forward to re-listening to it after it's uploaded for us to listen to. So thank you all, Pat. Thank you, Jay. Who would like to share or have a question for Harvey next? Hi, this is Angie. I'm sorry. Okay, Angie, and I think then Cindy. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you, Harvey, for sharing today and being part of our conference and part of my recovery. Um, something that I thought about that I really hadn't thought about for a long time while you were sharing was, you know, this whole idea of God and who was I really worshiping. Um, and what that looks like for me is everybody else was my God. People. Because I have a disease of pleasing and thinking that if I do what someone else wants me to do or I think I do what I think they want me to do, then I can change. I can, it's a manipulation is what it is, but I didn't know that until I got into recovery. And it was making me sick. And in our literature, it talks about dependency relationships. And so that's what that looked like for me. And not until I really got into my recovery 
well into my recovery did I realize that I was putting everybody else ahead of me and making them my gods. And once I started having small breakthroughs with that, then I could turn my attention to my God, my higher power, the one that's always been there for me. And that God's always been there for me. And and I know that at different times. And yet, I don't, I mean, I don't really understand it because, you know, it's like I would pray and I would talk, but I didn't have that deep relationship then that I do now. And that relationship that I've have with my higher power is is what's really keeping me sober and in the program because it's just like talking to any one of you it's a relationship where there is no judgment there is no criticism and he's there with loving arms no matter what my decision is and so I'm really thankful to know that people are not my God and that I do have a higher power that loves me I'm very, very grateful for that and very blessed. Thank you. I'll pass. just wanted to comment on what you said, Angie, because uh, I'm also a people pleaser, uh, always have been. And I have to admit that uh, even in my program and even when I got through the advert, and uh, thank you for sharing, Jay, your comments on that, um, when I found that I had that God and I said I was so excited because now I have a God that loves me unconditionally and I can trust him, I still found, and for the first while, that I had moved slightly away from being the people pleaser that I was to the God pleaser that I became. And even in that relationship, it was still, I was still a codependent. And I still believed that, you know, the divine love somehow that I thought was coming was supposedly unconditional. That was also difficult because everything in my life was conditional. Uh, everything in the world, I think, is conditional. It's very hard for us to find an unconditional place, experience unconditional love, experience unconditional anything. So my concept of divine love that I believed that was there and unconditional still had that was tainted by somehow that I thought I needed to earn it, that I needed to, and I shared that in that step two meditation that I sent you, the second paragraph. You know, there's nothing, absolutely nothing we can do to make our Father love us more. Uh, in the second paragraph, it says that. Nor can we influence him to ever stop loving us. And I truly believe that today, God, I believe God loved me from the beginning of time. Before he created the world, he had a plan for 1954, September. He was going to bring uh, Harvey, you know, into the world, and he did. Uh, he's loved me before and now and always will. Um, but I still had the problem, as you speak about Angie, of that, of that need to be, you know, to be people, to be God pleasing and to do what I think God wants me to do. And only if I do that, am I really going to get what he, what he wants to give me? Uh, and I needed to work through that. And it was, it was part of my, uh, journey to get through that and to appreciate that that isn't true. And it has nothing to do with my efforts. I do have to do his will, and it is my expressed hope that in going forward in my life, I'm constantly doing God's will, and I and I do my checking with my sponsor and my spiritual advisor on a regular basis. If I think that I'm I'm uh, impersonating God in a certain way and have another idea of what 
he would want me to be and what and but but I have a a faith tradition that teaches me what my expect his expectations uh for me are and as long as I'm trying to do my best uh you know I'm good with him and it teaches me that I can be good with him and I don't have to worry about all the other higher powers and I think someone else also brought that out that I believe the power was in others and I was a vampire sucking the power out of others and thinking that would be working for me. And of course that didn't work for me either. So I, I'm going to pass uh, again and anybody can ask questions again. So we'll carry on. Cindy in New Jersey, I have a question for you, Harvey. Um, it's it, actually the question revolves around uh, shares. I've heard you mention in the past, maybe if you could go over some of the steps of developing that relationship with your higher power. The one thing that comes to mind that I try to use is actually, you know, setting the timer throughout the day and reaching out to my higher power and saying, you know, here I am, I'm your daughter kind of thing. Um, so you can ponder that. Uh, this mm -hmm. I just want to um, confirm that uh, I strongly identify with the, the codependent, people-pleasing, part of thinking I could win God's favor and uh, also about the punishing God who was greatly disappointed when I didn't do things right and therefore would quote unquote lovingly correct me, although my perception based on my childhood experience wasn't always out of love. And the step two work for me is very timely. Uh, I, you know, can relate to going through the, the tables that are designed by our program to go through and I can trace back where my kind of pathetic ideas came uh, of what a higher power looks like. And by God's grace, I can see it. Most of the thoughts that I have in that category aren't really what higher power is about. Um, he's showing himself to me every single day. Uh, and I will conclude with one victory. I think I may have even shared this. I know I've shared this in a number of meetings because it's so profound to me. But I know that there's progress being made uh, in my life based on this simple little broken ankle that I have. And when that happened, when I met the pavement with my face and my cell phone and glasses and everything flew, my first thought was not, I'm not doing something right. I'm being punished. It was not that, so I can tell that my idea about a higher power is changing. I know that that's not the case because I know that um, things like the surrender prayer that I say, and I said that morning, that contained the words, you know, establish the work of my hands in the steps of my feet, that that is the truth as opposed to the punishment being inflicted because I wasn't performing well enough. And that most likely I could have been hurt much more severely than I was. So I'm grateful today to be um, part of the group and hearing this uh, share. Thank you, Harvey. And uh, I look forward to you sharing more. Okay. So, so quickly, thank you for asking that, Cindy. So, um, and again, my, part of my early work with my sponsor was uh, establishing a routine, a regular connecting time for God. And at the time I hadn't even done step two yet, but he said, you know what, let's be open-minded here and believe there's a God. I said, of course there's a God, you know, I didn't, but he said, no, 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 don't go to, let, let's just talk about, you know, connecting. And he said, uh, and he had me set up my phone, which is, I know what we're referring to. I, I, I set my cell phone for alarms every three to four hours. 
uh, not waiting to be uh, in the, the foxhole and having bombs uh, dropping all around me, which many people seem to think is their relationship with it. Well, it is their relationship with God only when they're in trouble. Uh, he said, let's start a relationship with God that is not predicated on, on meeting him in a time of misery or sadness or trouble. Uh, let's just connect with him, you know, and, and just look up at the sky and say, hey, God, it's Harvey. I'm your son. I'm here. Uh, and, uh, and I just want to have a relationship. And uh, um, and that started uh, early on. It was one of the first things my sponsor taught me. The other thing he taught me was uh, he sent me a, a meditation, a, a centering meditation tape, uh, which I used uh, religiously uh, and still do. Uh, I think meditation is, is uh, one of the most uh, incredible gifts that this program talks about, and, 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 and I think it's... Uh, uh, it's uh, incredibly important for me, and I think it is for everybody that I know in the program to find a way to, um, to as part of the relationship that we want to have to a higher power, uh, just like any relationship we have. If I have a relationship with my wife uh, or with my friends, uh, I talk, but I also have to shut the hell up and listen. And, uh, and I think that speaks to the concept of meditation. I think I pray to God, and I do so in a a much more intentional way than I used to, uh, which is like for me a gift because I never could do that. I never did that. It was all in Hebrew and it was very, uh, just very isolating and very not connecting. Uh, and today I do, uh, practice some intentional prayer time and, uh, a lot of intentional time, prayer time. And I also, uh, I happen to meditate three times a day. Somebody told me that the, uh, efficacy of meditation lasts about eight hours. So, Every eight hours, I, I start in the morning, I do one in the middle of the day, and I do another one before I go to bed, and I often fall into sleep but from meditation. I find that clears my mind, and it has uh, basically taken care of the uh, the nightmare uh, terrors and nightmare um, sexual lustful dreams that I used to encounter in my life. Uh, I don't seem to be suffering from that anymore. I hope that's because of the meditation. It certainly makes some kind of difference in my life. Um, anyway, that's I think that's what uh, Cindy wanted to hear. So, who's next? Uh, this is John in Kansas City. Uh, can I uh, share now? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, thanks, and uh, thanks, Harvey. It's, uh, it's been some great shares today through the whole conference. Um, I think one of the biggest uh, and most important words I heard today and it's been discussed is the whole issue of trust. You know, am I able do I have a God that I trust? And I think that's what kept me uh, for years and years from truly, you know, taking this program and really running with it. And, um, and it's, uh, and it's, you know, it's interesting. It, I, I like that idea. If you have the wrong God, you know, fire him, throw him out, <laughs> him, her, it. And, um, and I just am, uh, just, uh, finding that, uh, that runs through a lot of my relationships. I think that goes, I mean, I know it goes back to my family of origin for sure. And, uh, and I've always been leery of people my whole life. You know, can I really trust them to have my back? And, uh, that's always been a question for me. And as much as I would want, for example, let's say my parents to have my back and accept me as I am, um, you know, they're, they're just not going to say that, and it's not going to happen. And I think, uh, you know, when you're a kid, you, you're, you're, 
really your parents are your gods <laughs> when it comes down to it. And I think that's, uh, for me, is uh, still I, I struggle with that uh, to understand it. You know, I'm I'm good as I am. And, uh, and I have a God that I can trust. It's surely not the God I used to have. Um, I'm not sure what type of God I had in the past, really, to be honest, even though I came from a religious tradition. But I really uh, didn't. And I think it's just, I think that whole word, the idea of trust and someone who has your back 24-7 is really critical, you know, I found. I think that's where things really changed for me uh, in the program, where I could finally make a lot of progress uh, in my recovery. So, uh, yeah, thanks again, and I'll pass. Who's next? Good morning. This is Glenn from Chico. Hey, Glenn. Um, thank you for your share, Harvey, and I'm grateful to be on the line this morning. My uh, sponsor calls himself a non-practicing atheist. He grew up atheist and always believed that, but today he prays and doesn't really consider the question of is there a God as relevant to whether or not he prays? And uh, when I came in, um, I had grown up very religious um, and very conflicted about all of that. And he told me that I, uh, I couldn't, I thought I was an atheist. And he said, nope, nope, nope. You hate God too much. You can't both hate God and be an atheist. And uh, he was right. So I chose, okay, well, I'll hate God then. And uh, oddly enough, that was the beginning of a better relationship with God. The idea that that I that God could handle it, you know, that, um, because I'd grown up with the belief that to express anger meant. Uh, Put your whole viability at stake. You know, um, you could end, I could end up without a, a place to live or food to eat. And um, so that was an important step for me um, to start out with. And, uh, you know, all, all, all of the images of the gentle shepherd that doesn't always mean the sheep is enjoying it. Um, the uh, other thing that was helpful was a step two that the uh, sponsor and I worked through where he suggested um, that I do a step four inventory of positive people, places, and things. Uh, where had I made a good decision? Where had somebody I trusted proven trustworthy? Um, to kind of help me see that, uh, to give me evidence against the lie that I'm alone and lonely and everything is, is futile and pointless. Um, and doing that helped create uh, as much as it does in step four um, help me visualize a pattern of somebody 
of a, a divine presence that cares. I still struggle with that. It's kind of easy for me to think of a universal watchmaker, but I, the, the hair on the back of my neck raises when people talk about the individual and, and uh, you know, God who wants to turn the light green for me at the intersection. Um, today I see that as my selfish kind of self-centered understanding of God. Um, our book says our true purpose is to be of maximum service to God and others. And when I focus on that, it's a lot easier for me to imagine a God who wants to be part of that. And uh, always a delight to be able to be on the meeting. Uh, and today, the you know long play version. Thank you so much, and with that, I'll pass. I can't help it, but every every everybody who shares brings me up to something that I've thought about and I wanted to, I would like to share about. Um, it, it's just so interesting that I I have to admit that part of this dysfunctional God that I lived with was and I don't know if everybody's had this experience, but I I think some people who have I, I, I people I've worked with, many of whom had some some abuse as their in, in childhood. Um, really, they, they, they've actually believed that they are, they are acting on behalf of God, that they are, uh, servants of God, and God has left them in charge of abusing themselves. Uh, I don't know if that's anybody else's experience, but I, I, I've come across that a little bit, uh, I think personally in my own life a little, but with others that I've worked uh, with, uh, that actually believe that they are fulfilling God's will by being mean and, and, and being angry at themselves and punishing themselves and being shamed of themselves, uh, that that's what God would want them and would have them be. Uh, and that was a really scary thing to hear for the first time when I did hear it, when somebody shared it with me in there and we we're working together. Um, the other, the other thing that I, uh, I wanted to mention, hold on, if I can remember where it was. I um, should have written it down. Um, no, I'm going to pass. I'll have to think about it again. Pass. Anybody else who would like to be, like to speak? Harvey, this Even is Miguel. Miguel. Or, or Al. Yep. Uh, yeah, we can, uh, Stephen, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll hold off. Go ahead, Stephen. I don't know. Go ahead, Miguel. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, just, uh, getting all sorts of, uh, insights as I listen and, and, um, uh, I've really been digging deep over the past few days. I've been on a lot of calls. I've been, um, uh, with my sponsor and, and, um, et cetera, just trying to be sober, just trying to remain sober, um, because I, I kind of had a rough, uh, couple of weeks, um, so I'm on day four right now, and, um, but I, I just relate to a lot because I'm also a people pleaser, um, and I have been, uh, probably for the majority of my life, um, and what does that mean? That means that my God becomes other people, I guess, 
that somehow I have to make them happy um, in order for me to be happy, um, which is impossible. Uh, or I'm trying to impress somebody, or I don't know what this stems from. Um, I mean, I, I have ideas as well. But with regards to God, um, I I have been loving God, if you will, for the longest time. I, I fell in love with him um, back in college. I had a conversion. Um, and, and there have been periods where I've had sobriety, uh, not not knowing that I was an addict at the time, but certainly knowing uh, that something that I'm doing is not right, it doesn't feel right, and even my religious tradition tells me it's not right. And just, you know, up and down, up and down, and up and down. And I've even said, and, and I've even said this recently, that that I'm okay with my addiction in as much as it leads me to God. Uh, but I think as I listen and as I but, you know, to walk through these steps a little bit at a time, I don't think I'm okay with that anymore. <laughs> I don't think that I'm okay with my addiction leading me to God. I, I mean, I'm okay that perhaps that it has led me to God, but I'm not okay with walking in my addiction in order to be led to God. Uh, in other words, I need sobriety. Um, I I think I can... I think I can uh, have, I, I think I can know that I'm an addict, but I need sobriety in order to be in relationship with God or my higher power. Um, and I was talking with somebody last night, and they said, you know, sobriety is about a relationship with your higher power. Sobriety, you know, and for me and my tradition, that's Jesus Christ. Um, and that has to be my motivation uh, for sobriety. Because if I try and get sobriety for any other reason, um, it just doesn't work, I don't think. Um, even to try for myself, you know, for myself it would be, if I'm trying to get sobriety for myself, it's because I don't want to get in trouble. It's because I don't want to please other people. It's because of all these other things. And, and I, I, I don't know, I may be going against something in the program because I know we have to be in sobriety for ourselves and not for other people. But I think... I think, and, you know, Harvey, please uh, feel free to comment or anybody else, but I think I have to be in sobriety in order to be in a relationship for my higher power or with my higher power. And I, I think that's my motivation and my purpose because, because I do love him. And I, and I'm just beginning to realize that he loves me. And I've known that intellectually for the longest time, but to, to get that to come to my core is the hardest thing. Uh, again, for whatever reason. So, anyways, thanks for letting me share. And, uh, Harvey, thank you for your, your talk. I got in on the end of it there. And I passed back. And, and, um, and thanks, thanks everybody for being on the call. Thanks, Miguel. Sure, yeah, thanks. Uh, for me, what, what, what is, uh, thank you for all this. Shows. It's really, um, uh, for me, step two was uh, one of the longest steps uh, I was working on, and uh, um, I still consider myself as a relapsed agnostic. But uh, anyway, I would like to share what was important uh, for me, and um, when I was writing the ad, you know, uh, what I would like 
my higher power to to be to be higher uh, i put my values on 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 this the values which i was cher- cherishing you know from my childhood and i remember you know even if i was in my disease i i had those values i knew that uh, i was not i was not uh, living uh, up to those values like you know love strength decency and uh, it helps me you know to uh, to uh do uh, my god's will so you know to to follow the, the, those values and and uh, for me this is a um <clears throat> i have like 12 uh values on the list and and it it helps me a lot to be in in, in touch with my higher power when i when when you know when i think and go through the, those values and uh, See if I'm following them to be, you know, a, a decent man. Uh, this is uh, I'll pass with that. Thank you, Yasek. Uh, I I um I believe that that's also something that I I use today. Um, uh, in my case, and no, most of us I think have a Bible that we follow or something. Um, and I believe that in my eleventh uh, step. Um, the work I'm doing around that is trying to identify and to appreciate more and more uh, the world that God created and my place, my responsibility and my place in it and the values that I should be bringing to my life. Uh, so that I, I certainly can appreciate everything you said. It's, it's very much... Uh, uh, it's funny because it wasn't on my list when I went to my step two but it certainly is part of my uh, my relationship and my work on that relationship. Um, I think that as in any relationship we have, if uh, we want to have a good relationship with a uh, with a partner, we want to know as much about that person as we possibly can. We want to know what their favorite books are, what their favorite color is, what their favorite number is. Uh, just to be, I mean, those are minor, little, like, stupid things, but you understand what I'm saying. Uh, you know, to understand their values, to appreciate where they're coming from, what they're about. And the more I do, the more I can love that person. Uh, and, and I think that's certainly true in my uh, work in the 11th step is, is trying to find a greater and greater understanding of the uh, of the scripture, of, of, of what God has shared with the world, uh, if, if you believe in Revelation. Um, and uh, you know the Bible or whatever, and uh, I think it's uh, it's it's an ongoing uh, process. Something that I hope to spend the next uh, you know thirty odd forty years maybe uh, do uh, in the rest of my life, whatever God gives me. But yeah, certainly can appreciate that. Who's next? Hey, Harry. Joe from hey. Centennial. Good to hear you. Hi, Joe. Wow. Go for it, Joe. Good topic. Good topic. Um, I have to say, um, for me, my God has stayed the same. The only thing is he has different characteristics from what I gave him, right? He was punishing and whatever. And now I know that he disciplines what he doesn't punish. Um, to piggyback on what something else, somebody else had said, um, I did something foolish the other day and I burned myself. And in the old days, I was, well, okay, God, what are you doing? Oh, you're punishing me. No, I was foolish. I did something foolish. And so I was paying the consequences. So that's one thing I'm learning that I'm not getting punished. Sometimes I'll get disciplined, but there's a difference between discipline and punishment. Two, 
in the beginning, I used to have to force my ideas down someone's throat. This is the only true God. This is the God you need to. What I can do is I can listen. When they're done sharing, I'll share. And then they can share again. And when they're done, I can share. I don't need to force it down anybody's throat. And um, the other thing I'm learning, too, is um, I thought when I came, I didn't have to do anything. All I needed to do was pray, and it would all go away. And um, I know God does it, but um, I'm reading another book, and it says there's prudent things I need to do, and then God would do the rest. Just like if I need money, I just don't sit around. God's giving me wisdom. That means I need to go to work. So I'm just learning that um, God will do it, but there are certain things I need to do. I need to get up in the morning. I need to get dressed. I just don't lay in bed and think, okay, recovery is going to come to me. And um, it's good. I've got a sponsor, and basically what we do is I do the AA Big Book, and um, I like that page. I can't remember. It could be 87, 88. He's given me a brain. I can use it. I've got conscious contact with him, but doesn't mean I'm going to be inspired all the time, and I may pay for it with absurd thoughts, actions, and ideas. And there again, that brings me back to reality um, that uh, he's given me a brain because I'm in the program. I have a little bit clearer brain than I did before, and maybe in 20 years from now, I have a little bit clearer brain. And um, when I pray to him, if I think I heard him, fine, I'll do it. And if I didn't hear from him, that's fine too, because if I apologize to him that I didn't do what I thought I was supposed to because I heard wrong, as long as nobody got killed, it's just really great to know that I can be free to let anybody have their choice of God, whatever works for them. And um just grateful that you're there, good to hear you, and I'll pass. Thanks, Harvey. Good to see you, Joe. Who's next? This is Brian. Can I share? Sure. Hey, Harvey. Thanks a lot. Um, my second step experience was was very much was a lot like yours. Um, a lot of similarities, but I use different language to describe it slightly. And so, what I did in my sec- second step experience, and it came about, I was reading a, an exercise book of all things, and this guy in this exercise book said, why don't people exercise? And that's me. He says, because they have a belief about themselves that's incompatible with exercise. They believe themselves to be, you know, something, whatever it is. And and when I read that, I suddenly realized is that my beliefs were the things that explained my behavior. I didn't know my beliefs. I thought I had a belief in God. And what I had was a lot of opinions about God but they weren't beliefs because they weren't they weren't explaining my behavior. And so I said about looking at my behavior when I would see a behavior that was odd, a resentment or an emotional reaction to something or you know anger, all those different things that say what's the belief that explains that. And so and I said about on a course of making my opinions about God actually my beliefs. And so trans, transforming um, my my relationship with my higher power from one of opinion to one of belief. So it's the same. It works out the same as firing them and hiring a new one, but just different language to describe it. And um, 
Um, and the one, the other last thing I'll just say is, you know, someone said if you had a, a child and you told that child you loved it, but you never spent any time with it, would that child feel loved? And that was my relationship with God. And, and so I started off by spending time with God. And um, that all passed. Thanks. Who's next? This is Al from Arizona. May I speak? Sure. Yeah, um, I've enjoyed the I enjoyed uh, the uh, the last last hour. I didn't. I was not here from the very beginning. Harvey, Harvey, thank you for your service and for for what you're doing here. Um, I don't really have any great insights. Um, I've enjoyed hearing uh, the concepts and the spiritual ideas and and people's experience. I, I love that. I just wanted to get on the line to to share um, that uh, I'm struggling today. I am a sexaholic, and I'm powerless over my lust and fear. I had some triggering dreams last night, and and uh, I continue to surrender those. And uh, um, but I am grateful for what God is doing in my life. Um, I have been sober for a year and uh, 13 months, and um, that's a miracle, and that's that's a gift from God. And uh, he is he is replacing that feeling of not being good enough with the knowledge of who I am and and that I am more than enough that I that I'm loved that I am uh, that I have peace and joy and confidence he replaces those he places replaces those feelings of fear and and lust every time I surrender that to them with those things and I'm grateful for that and sometimes it's difficult sometimes it's just hard to um surrender because I am a I am a psychologist and um Happy for the new year, and I wish all of you a happy new year, and I'll pass. Thank you. Anybody else want to share? Hi, Harvey. This is Doug. Can I share? Sure, Doug. First of all, happy new year, everybody. (laughs) Uh, This year, this day, last evening, the extraordinary and tremendous things that happened that were so impacting spiritually for me is because of my higher power. And I shared that very, along those very lines <clears throat> at this marathon meeting. Well, it's still going on. It started at uh, 2 o'clock this morning. And I'm literally out here with the remnant of the last meeting. We're just outside in the smoke breaker. I'm not smoking. I'm listening to a phone conference. And I, I'm just glad I remembered. I just, at the last moment, like, whoa, so we started half an hour ago. I think they're working on workshop number two. Quickly jump on. And uh, I'm sorry I missed most of your talk, but we are on step two, and I will listen to the rest of your recording. But the things that I did last night with a group of other people, um, it was, <clears throat> it's uh, my other fellowship, Recovery Fellowship, and uh, they had this uh, New Year's Eve celebration with the music and uh, food, socializing and um, karaoke. And <laughs> no, I, I will not put myself down as an extraordinary gifted singer, but you know, for me to do what I did last night, Harvey, um, to, to, to say, you know what? I'm okay. You know, I, it's, it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a life crushing experience to get out of my comfort zone, which I've been residing in too long because of fear. You know, and not to give my whole backstory, but fear has, has inhibited me and prohibited me from so many wonderful things 
um, that were possible in my life. Like as for instance, last night doing karaoke with a group of people in recovery, and it was just not just myself. Or the 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 experience I got from that was like three guys at the mic, and as we're doing our number, you know, we're singing. And I'm looking at the the audience. I mean, yes, they're liking their song, but I look at these guys. I'm like, I'm doing this, not just myself, but there is this this brotherhood sense, this sense of unity as I'm looking at these guys like teammates on a team, you know, directed toward the same goal, the same the same motivation, the same focus. So it's such a team spirit thing and a sense of goodwill that I looked you know, into the eyes of all the people that were there. I mean they're just they're 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 just like and we're not professionals, but the whole point of it for me last night was being con- to connect, to connect, to connect, to make the big connection. And the, that big connection with other people was for too long um, <sighs> unattainable in so many years of my life. And I was able to make that connection. The big, the white book talks about it. The big book talks about that, looking for the big connection. Yeah, you know, the big connection ultimately is a relationship with, with God for me. But while I'm making that connection with God, I'm also making connection to my fellow man, you know, and also women in a healthy fashion. And that was possible last night. And I mean, Harvey, I mean, where I was listening, I, I got that gift. I mean, it was like a belated Christmas gift. It was a gift and stayed, not just connect with some of the guys I know in recovery. But a lot, it was just a room full of people at this event last time. They packed it last night. I mean, people were in the chairs or standing up. Standing up. They, were, they were literally standing in the room to get in. Outside, there was a line to get in. And I got to be part. I got to connect. And, you know, one thing I, I do remember is not just making eye contact, because for a long time that was not something I did on the you know, as, as a... You know, um, as my routine, typically I don't. But not only was it making eye contact with people I, that I know well in recovery, but also the people that were fairly, I mean, I've seen them, I'm more acquainted with them, but I don't know who they are. I'm making, not only making eye contact, I'm smiling at them. I'm laughing. I'm, I'm getting out of my cover zone and I'm being welcoming. I'm shaking hands. I'm, being spirited, I'm engaging, I'm engaging, I'm engaging, I'm connecting with people. So the, for me, the big connection with God was also the connection with his children. And that to me was, that's a gift and I'm grateful. And it's because of this program and all the principles they talk about, about surrender and ask for the willingness to surrender and surrender again, ask again for the willingness and also the power to surrender, to ask him to pour into my life again. And the last couple of weeks is what I've been doing. I've kind of got, I kind of, I've gotten off my, I've gotten off my, 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 my connection for my higher power for too long. But now I'm reaching out to him. I'm calling him and asking him to again, please connect with me, connect with me. I want to have a relationship with you. So anyway, that's all I got. I'm done. I am a sexaholic and happy year, everybody. Doug, you brought us right back to the most important part of all of this. Thank you very much. And I want to thank everybody for for all of your shares and for being part of my recovery today and for allowing me this opportunity. Uh, I don't think you could have uh, closed this up any better than than what Doug shared, which is about the fellowship and about the beauty of uh, of what God wants us to do, which is to pack as much as we can into the stream of life, as it says on eighty six, page eighty six in the big book, 
and uh, and I hope that uh, going forward we can all uh, find that. And I am going to turn off the recording. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.